John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Amen. If you are also interested in joining the band, Caitlin would love to have you uh, for our band. I guess I should introduce myself. Good morning. I'm Pastor Jeremy. Should have done that earlier. Uh, but here we are now. I am Pastor Jeremy, the lead pastor of this service. Good to be with y'all here today. Uh, just a, another quick announcement for the services. Uh, we're going to have a, a big announcement about this service next week, um, but I wanted to let y'all know about that. And then next week also we are going to have people in here uh, videoing us for a video that we're putting together. So I don't want y'all to be alarmed when you show up next week and there's some cameras in here. And I'll explain that next week because this week is a packed week. But I just wanted to let y'all know that uh, so that we are not freaking out next week. And uh, I, last time I was up here, the Astros were leading the Rangers 3-2. to two, um, And I may have gotten ahead of my britches. Uh, so I, c- congrats to the Rangers. I think that's all that you're going to get out of me, I guess. Uh, we don't need to clap. We don't need to clap. This is good enough. Uh, but uh. Uh, Good to be with you all here today. We're in the middle of our Jonah series. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Jonah, chapter 2 today. Uh, this is the part, the good part of Jonah, the part that we all know, the Jonah in the belly of the fish part of the story. We're going to be reading uh, how Jonah responds once he is in the belly of the fish. So we're going to be in starting at the end of chapter 1, Jonah 1, 17 through the end of chapter 2. Hear the word of the Lord. And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head, to the roots of the mountains I sank down, and the earth beneath barred me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols will turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. What I love about scripture is how sometimes it'll end with the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. And we're like, amen, thank God. So this is the, the part of Jonah. So we had just finished the, the past couple weeks on Jonah chapter 1 about how Jonah had fled and run from the Lord. And can you imagine 
being Jonah for a second here, right? You know, we often read these stories, and sometimes we won't put ourselves in the biblical author's shoes, but this is a time that I think it's interesting to put ourselves in Jonah's situation. I mean, he's probably one of the few people, maybe one of one, in the entire history of humanity to be swallowed by a big fish, live there for three days, and then get spit up onto dry land. This is not a normal, average, everyday occurrence. And can you imagine just the journey that Jonah took and what he must have been thinking about while he was in the pit? We talked about the first week how he was a court prophet in Jerusalem, a prophet to the king of Israel. He was in a place of power and influence and most likely wealth in this city of Jerusalem. And then he hears the call from the Lord, go and preach to God's people's enemies. Go and preach to your worst enemy, Jonah. And Jonah's like, absolutely not. Runs as far away as he can, thinks like, finally, I've gotten it. He's running away. He's going to start a new life as far as he possibly can from the Lord. And then a massive storm comes up and sweeps over the boat and it's made abundantly clear to you that you are the cause of the storm and that everyone is going to die unless you do something. So you say, I will sacrifice my life to save everyone else on board. And then instead of dying in the sea, which is what you expect to happen, you're swallowed by a big fish. I mean, just talk about a journey that Jonah has gone through probably over the course of a few weeks or a month or two. And he's sitting in this belly of the whale, probably the last place on earth he ever imagined he would end up. And he's experiencing the consequences of his own actions. He's experiencing the consequences of his own sin. He was thrown overboard by the sailors. He's experiencing the consequences of actions that were done to him. And he thinks that he's about to die drowning in the ocean, and by the grace of God, he is saved by a big fish. But yet still in the belly of the whale, in the midst of God's grace to not let him die, he is still at the lowest point and the lowest moment of his life. I mean, I can't think of a worse moment than being in the belly of a fish surrounded by seaweed and probably rotting dead fish. I mean, it's not a pretty picturesque sight that we often get. Jonah is in rock bottom. He's figuratively in the pit and literally in the pit of a whale. And I think that if we've lived any portion of our life for any significant amount of time, we've all found ourselves in those places as well where we find ourselves in pit-like places, where we found ourselves in the belly of the whale, where you just kind of stop and look around and be like, how on earth did I end up here? How on earth did I end where I am? You know, you might be in the belly of the whale due to poor decisions that you made, due to your own sin, and just experiencing the consequences of the choices that you've made. Maybe you're in the belly of the whale because someone has taken you from the boat and thrown you overboard to save themselves, that you've been thrown into the belly of the whale due to the sin of other people. But for whatever reason you find yourself in the pit, whether it's your marriage is on the rocks, 
you have relationship issues and troubles, maybe money issues, money troubles, you've had a recent health scare, you have addiction problems or problems with your kids or your parents, but you just seems like everything in your life is just coming against you and nothing seems to be working out and you just find yourself wondering, how did I end up here? Am I the only one who's had a moment like that? Or does it seem like we all find ourselves in that moment? I remember there was once in college, I found myself in the belly of the whale, figuratively, where sort of the consequences of my own decisions had uh, caught up to me, and I just sort of woke up one day being like, how on earth did I end up here? And that's where we find our prophet. That's where we find Jonah. That's where we find this man of God is sitting in the belly of the whale wondering, how did I end up here? And so when we're at the lowest moment of our lives, when we find ourselves in the pit, when we find ourselves at rock bottom, it's really easy for us to wonder, where is God in the middle of that? How will God respond to us? How do I respond to God when I'm in rock bottom, when I'm in the belly of the whale, when I'm in the pit? And I think this chapter in Jonah shows us how we can respond to God and how God responds to us when we're in that dark situation in the belly of the whale. And the first that we see from Jonah is that we see his repentance in the belly of the whale. We see his repentance in the belly of the whale and how we too should have a heart of repentance when we're in the pit, when we're in the belly of the whale. Look again at what Jonah's prayer is in the first half, verses 2 through 6. Jonah says this, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All of your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. And yet again, I look toward your holy temple, though engulfing waters threatened me and deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains I sank, and the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, my Lord, brought me up from the pit. What Jonah's doing is he's acknowledging to God that the Lord has basically punished him for his sins that he is experiencing the consequences of his actions, that when Jonah was in the lowest moment of his life, his heart is one of repentance, his heart is one of turning back to God, that when he's in the middle, when he's sort of been found out, when he's been caught, right? So Jonah's running away from the Lord, running away, being disobedient, trying to escape from God, thinking he can outrun God, thinking that the consequences of his sin won't catch up to him, and you have this great dramatic moment in the biblical narrative where his sin are literally catch up to him in the form of a storm and he finds himself in the belly of the whale and whenever in our lives we have our sins catch up to us or we're confronted or we're caught or we're found out how we respond is so important do we have a heart like the prophet here does heart of humility a heart of repentance, a heart of confession, a heart to say, you know what, Lord, you're right. I was wrong. 
and to turn your heart, to turn away from rebellion against God back to the one who calls us to himself. In this passage, we see his words of repentance in the belly of the whale. Sometimes we're in the belly of the whale and it's not our fault. But I think there are many times in our lives when it is our fault. When the consequences of our own actions, consequences of our own sin, the consequences of our own bad decisions leads us to a place where we did not want to end up like Jonah. Where we find ourselves in a dark place. And when we're in the pit, the response that we need to have is the response of the prophet, the heart of a humble person, a heart to turn back to God, that the first step to getting out of the belly of the whale is to turn back to God. Because when we're in the belly of the whale, it's really easy to blame others for our problems. It's really easy maybe to look to the sailors who threw us into the sea and say, they're the reason that I have been cast into the sea. Let's disregard the fact that the storm was caused by me running away from God. No, no, no. Let's blame the sailors for the reason that we're in the situation that we're in. And I see that so often throughout society and just throughout the church, how easy it is for us to blame others for our problems, to blame others for the consequences of our own sin. And yet when we're in the pit, the first thing that we should do is not look to blame someone else, but instead look within our own frailty and our own human heart and say, Lord, how did I end up here? Lord, what did I do to end up in the belly of the whale? when we recognize our sin and recognize our disobedience to God to turn back to him to have that heart of repentance repentance literally in the Greek means to like turn around and go the opposite direction to say Lord I am going the wrong way Lord I'm going to Tarshish and instead I need to be going to Nineveh that, that's what we see here from the prophet Jonah turning away from the place that God does not want him to go and instead turning his heart back to the Lord, that, Lord, I am looking to your holy temple once more. Lord, I'm going to stop running from you and instead I'm going to look towards you. Part of what it means to be human is that God gives us free will. And part of free will means that we don't always make the right decision. I mean, you know this. You see everyone around us make wrong decision after wrong decision but do we ever stop and look inward at ourselves and say how am I making wrong decision after wrong decision and we'll make decisions and consequences that will lead us to places that we don't want to end up you know uh, when I was in seminary I went to a church it was called Hope Springs Church in Kentucky it was an addiction and recovery church so a lot of people who went to prison or who lived in sort of a recovery house, they went to this church. And there was one Sunday, I remember, we were sitting at tables and we were just kind of telling each other our life story and kind of how we ended up there. And these people were telling me story after story like, yeah, you know, uh, I was addicted to this drug and that drug and I did this crime and this crime and then finally all of this caught up to me and I got arrested and sent to jail and the state took my kids away from me and I'm listening to their stories and I'm expecting the next thing that they're going to say is like oh and I'm just so angry at the state 
or I'm so angry at the cop who turned me in, or I'm so angry at this person or next person. That's how I expected them to tell their story. But instead, every single one of them, without fail, would always say, you know what? Getting arrested was the best thing that ever happened to me. Having the state take away my kids from me woke me up from where I was. You know, sometimes it takes being tossed into the belly of the whale to wake us up. Sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to wake us up from our slumber. You know, these people, they would tell me that when they were in jail and they sobered up for maybe the first time in a decade, that it was a sort of threshold moment in their lives that they could either be repeat offender and just be in and out of jail or die of an overdose one day, or they can choose a different life for themselves, that they had to do something different. And we see Jonah here in this chapter is in this threshold moment as well. The grace of God has swallowed up Jonah, given him a second chance, and the prophet has a chance to respond, am I going to take this second chance that God has given me, or am I going to spit in the face of God again? Sometimes it takes being in the belly of the whale before we realize we have to do something different. We have to change direction. We have to stop living in disobedience to God and instead choose to follow after him. What I love about the Lord, though, is that you see Jonah in this state of destitution. You see kind of the punishment that Jonah gets, the consequences of his own sin and disobedience, right? That the Lord has to shake him up. That even the Lord who has put him in the belly of the whale, that Jonah who is in the pit because of his disobedience and sin, we still see the compassion, mercy, grace, and heart of the Lord for his prophet even when he's at rock bottom, even when he's in the midst of disobedience to sin. See what the scripture says, starting in verse 6. Jonah prays, But you, Lord my God, brought my life from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So we see the prophet responds with a heart of repentance, and we see God's grace to the prophet in the belly of the whale. We see God's grace for the prophet in the belly of the whale. And when we look at our own lives, when we think about how we are stuck in those pit moments, when we think about how we're trapped or we're in those places of destitution or the consequences of our own sin and we're wondering where is the Lord, we can look at the story of Jonah and see that our God is a God of grace and a God of mercy when we're in the belly of the pit. You, Lord, you, Lord, brought my life up from the pit. You, Lord, vomited me up onto dry ground. You, Lord, remembered me. We see grace for Jonah to have the whale swallow him up in the first place instead of just letting him die in the ocean. We see 
grace for Jonah by reminding the sailors that this is the consequences of what Jonah is doing to give Jonah a second chance. We see grace for Jonah that the Lord hears the cry of Jonah's heart and spits him up onto dry land. And what we'll see next week is then not only does he spit him up onto dry land, but God's call on his life does not change even though Jonah lived in disobedience to the Lord Almighty, God still says, I have plans for you, I have a future for you, and you are still mine. When we live in that pit, when we find ourselves in the belly of the whale, it can be hard to see the future that God still has in store for us, but we see in the prophet Jonah that God's grace for us is boundless, that God's mercy for us is endless, that God's compassion for us is so overwhelming that even when we're in the lowest moment of our life, God doesn't see the low points. He sees the future that he has in store for us. If only we would be willing to turn back to him. We see in this story, uh, you know, the, the vegetalification of the Jonah story. There's this famous song, maybe not famous, there's this vegetal song uh, when they're in the when they're in the belly of the whale, and they have like this gospel choir come and sing, "Our God is a God of Second Chances." It's one of the catchier songs on the Veggie Tail soundtrack, which is a banger of a soundtrack. And I just remember that song just being played over and over again as I was writing the sermon for this week, because that's what we see here in the story of Jonah, and when he's in the belly of the whale, is that our God is a God of Second Chances. Our God is the God who sends the whale to save Jonah. Our God is the God who spits Jonah up onto dry ground and gives him a third chance. Not only is our God the God of second, but he's the God of third, fourth, fifth, fiftieth, seventieth, a hundredth chances. Scripture says in Romans that we can't outrun the grace of God. We can't outsin the grace of God. We see the heart of the Lord who saves a runaway prophet. We see the heart of the Lord who saves the sailors from destruction in the storm. And in the prophet Jonah, we see that our God has a heart for prodigals who run away, that when we run away from God, God does not run away from us. The heart of God for the runaways, the heart of God for those who spit in his face and run away from him as fast as we possibly can. Our God does not abandon us when we humiliate him. Elias is starting uh, to walk, maybe not walk, he's starting to stand up and like walk with assistance, I would say. It's like he has a walker, right? Um, he's walking with assistance, but he's, he's obsessed with standing up now. It's like his favorite thing in the world. It's like he forgot any other thing he could possibly do. So what he loves to do is he loves to pull himself up, and then he'll stand, but he's not very strong, right? So he's like real wobbly. It's almost like he's drunk a little bit, like he can barely stand. And it's really cute to watch, and he'll do this over and over again, but sometimes he'll think that he's stronger than he actually is, and he'll be like, all right, it's time to let go and to start walking without assistance, and it, it never ends well for him. And there'll be many times that he'll just let go, and either I'm too far away or I'm not watching him as well as I should, and he'll just kind of fall and he'll bonk his head. You ever had that happen with a kid? He'll just fall and bonk his head, and then he'll be surprised, and then he'll just start screaming 
at the top of his lungs. He'll just start losing his mind, and often what he does is once he is in pain, once he screams, what he'll do is he'll then look at me or Erica, and he'll kind of put his arms up as if saying, I need you to come and comfort me. I need you to come and rescue me. And so what Eric and I will do is we'll hold him and we'll soothe him until the pain is gone and he is better again. You know, when we think about the heart of God, we think about our own lives, about how, you know, we'll stumble and fall or maybe we'll dive headfirst off the couch when we hit our heads due to our disobedience, due to our eyes not being fixed where they should, due to thinking that we're stronger than we are and letting go, when we fall and hit our heads, what do we think God's response is? Do we think that he just stops and watches us cry, watches us be in the pit, watches us be in the misery, or do we think that our God is like a father who when we turn to him with our arms outstretched that he picks us up, pats our back, and soothes us. And he holds us in his arms. When we look at the heart of God to us who run away, to us who are prodigals, that God will always be there for us. No matter where we make our bed, as the psalmist says, Lord, if I make my bed in the depths of Sheol, you are there. If we run to the ends of the earth like Jonah does, he will follow us to the ends of the earth. If we spit in his face and do our own thing, he will still be there for us. I'd like to invite the band back up as we transition to a time of communion. But before we do, I felt like the Lord is saying that today his heart is for the prodigals. His heart is for the runaway. His heart is for those who feel like they're in the belly of the whale, feel like they're in the pit, wondering where the Lord is. I just want to close today with this reading in the gospel story. You all know it. It's the prodigal son. It's not up on your screen, so I just want you to kind of close your eyes and just kind of picture yourself as the, the prodigal son as I read the scripture for us, and then we'll transition to a time of communion. Jesus said, there once was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, where there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And then after he had spent all of his money, there was a great famine in the land and the whole country, and then he himself was in need. And so he went out and he hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into the field to feed his pigs. And he longed to eat what the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And then finally he came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hands have food to spare when here I am starving to death with the pigs? I will set out and go back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Instead, just make me like one of your servants. And so he got up, and he went back home to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him from the distance, and he was filled with compassion for his son. And he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. 
And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father instead said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Church, as we come to the table, we come to Thank the celebration meal. We hope that you have encountered the, the feast Jesus today. that Jesus has If you want to hear more, us. please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.